Cavanello. This is a T-Simple podcast. We focus on providing simple solutions in the classroom for parents and teachers. I got the mommies, the mommies that talk, the amazing queens. I got my sister, April McDaniels. She has been with me in Detroit for the last six years. She has helped me. With no, no, years. I've been here. You joined me. No, I'm saying with me for the oh. last, like, like, <laughs> like help me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, she's a mom of two amazing sons who are about to graduate the next couple of years at Michigan State. She's Did I tell you that Seth made the dean's list? Yeah, what'd you say, what? Seth made the dean's list. Oh, that's what's up, that's what's up. Uh -huh. He made the dean's list. Kayla made the honor roll, but Kayla, Seth made the dean's list. I'm so proud. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then also I have Dr. Christina Perk, and I got this from the internet. She said uh, she believes that uh, if you're passionate about helping people and believes that individuals should look for reasons why they can achieve versus why they can't. And you can't have a defeatist mentality. You got to be motivated. You got to be optimistic. So I love that. And Ms. Lisa Carr, uh, you know, I know you very well. You know my wife very well. You are a leader with Detroit Teachers. And I just want to say thank you all for your service. Thank you, Mommy Talk, for coming on podcast. Thank you all. I am excited to be here. Thank you. It is such an honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And we yes, definitely an honor to be here and to be on the other side. <laughs> Question. Because you are such the, the professional, uh, Mr. Nellums. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're definitely a conversationalist and a leader. So I appreciate that. And thank you for your invite. Thank you. I appreciate it too. I appreciate it too. All right. All right. So, so let's, so the first thing I want to talk about. So, describe that first feeling when you had to pick your daughter or your son's school. Like, what did you feel? Pressure? Was it an easy decision? Did you go based off traditions? Or did you go really based off of something much more? And before you answer that, just to tell you a story. So my mother, uh, my mother was an educator in Detroit for, excuse me, in New Orleans for 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, and she put me in a, a school that was outside of my district. I grew up in the suburbs of New Orleans. Um, so I, I was very privileged. But she put me in a school district that wasn't as privileged. She put me in a school district that she used to teach at. It was right next to the Fisher Projects. It was with my people. I saw the good, I saw the bad, and I saw the ugly. And I used to get, and, and it, was, it was tough for me. They could tell I was from the suburbs. I used to get bullied a lot. I used to get called white boy because of my skin complexion. So a lot of colorism used to happen. But it really motivated me. Well, in New Orleans, I am. Oh, um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and it so really... You grew up in this, what suburb did you grow up in? I grew up in Gretna. So it's like... Okay. Right next, mm -hmm. So you went to New Orleans Public School District? Yep. Is that what it's called? Yep. Okay. Oh, yep. okay. Exactly. cool. Yep. As yep. opposed to your neighborhood school. Okay. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Great. Right, right, right. And, and one thing I can say before I let y'all talk is that it made me a comprehensive learner. Like I was able to be a chameleon in many different uh, spaces. So I could talk to my brothers from the block. I could also talk to my brothers from this corner. I was able to really uh, like amalgamate and assimilate and really be uh, diverse in my uh, culture. Go ahead, uh, Christina. What, what was that first experience like when you decided to, you know, pick, use your, use your power to uh, pick a school for your kids? 
Well, I like the option of a school choice because it actually gives families the choice to choose the option uh, that benefits their own child because we know that every child has their unique needs, right? So I think it's important for a parent to choose a school that will benefit the child and meet the needs of that child. So when I first began... um, finding a school for my daughter, I had to think about safety. Safety was the number one issue first for me. And then it was, what does that school have to offer my child? So with that being said, my options, um, that I, my option that where I wanted to send my daughter, I sent her to Detroit public schools. And for me, that was the best decision for me because she she learned her foundational skills and she's able to adapt in certain situations. So not only did DPS give her academic skills that she needs, but also social skills as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Detroit Public Schools do give you that diverse where it helps you um, with your communication skills, your ability to, you know, navigate yourself. Um, and I just um, I wanted to say with Calvin, I thought it was interesting that you said you, it, by you being thrust into that environment, the New Orleans public school environment, as opposed to your suburban environment where you grew up with, it just taught you skills. Yeah. And I'm sure it helped you develop character. Like you said, you were bullied, but I'm sure you learned how to um, navigate around that or, you know, not necessarily be a bully yourself, but I know you're not a bully, but it helps you just develop um, a character about yourself. Um, as far as my sons, I, I moved, well, we, I moved, I was in, I lived in Southwood and I lived in Detroit, but I always had my sons in Detroit public schools. I did have them at a school of choice because safety was a concern for me, for my sons. Um, I didn't necessarily have them in the school where I taught at because I didn't want them to uh, feel like I was hovering around them. I'm already a mommy mom, so I didn't want to hover around them. I still wanted to develop their unique personality. Um, and I did choose a school that was the best for them as far as safety. And then I wanted them to learn that extra language. And I feel like by them being bilingual, it would have opened up doors. And it definitely has opened up doors for them when they went to college. So that was my reason for that school of choice. Before Lisa goes, real quickly, can you just kind of define what you mean by bilingual? Oh, yeah. So my sons, um, as Christina kids go to, they went to Flicks. Um, I think, yeah, from kindergarten to eighth grade. So they learned... Um, Flix is foreign language immersion and cultural study schools at Detroit public schools. So they teach it, they teach four languages. They teach Japanese, Chinese, French, and Spanish. So one of my sons got into Spanish and one of my sons got into Japanese, but they didn't have any openings for Spanish. So I wanted them both to speak the same language so they can conversate at home. So I switched them both to Japanese and they went from kindergarten to eighth grade. They actually went over to Japan, which was awesome to actually, you know, they stayed for like two weeks. Um, in Japan, which was uh, phenomenal. Um, I think they were in the seventh and eighth grade to actually immerse themselves in the language and the culture rather. So when I say that, they're bilingual and they kept the language at CAS. They um, kept the Japanese in CAS and they're supposed to be minor in at Michigan State, but we'll see how that's going. <laughs> that's one reason why they chose Michigan State because I was like, oh, they got Japanese minor. You can do that, but we'll see. Miss Carr? I think for me, um, initially, when I uh, chose the school, uh, when my kids first started out, uh, we were living uh, in Sterling Heights. 
So, of course, at that time, I chose a school that was um, in the area because um, it was for convenience. So I think that sometimes when parents make choices, it depends on what situation they're in um, at that time. And that kind of uh, guides their uh, decisions as to where they'll put uh, their children. So for me at that time, um, it was convenient for me to put my uh, child in uh, the Sterling Heights uh, School District. Um, however, things changed. Um, I came back to the city and then it was priority. Okay, you know what? My child needs to be with Detroit Public Schools because that's the system that I grew up in. Yeah. And I remember I have nothing but uh, great memories Um of what my teachers, like the lengths that they went to, to make sure that I uh, understood certain things, to make sure that I got enough exposure. Um, that was always my experience. And it's always surprising when I hear people say um, anything negative about Detroit Public Schools, because I'm like, wow, that's not the district that I know. You know, being that I'm, I'm a product of Detroit Public Schools and being an educator, um, in Detroit public schools. And something I really, really want to point out. Um, so my, uh, my stepdaughter, she's uh, 21. She started out in Detroit public schools, but she ended up in the suburban schools. So her foundation was awesome. Um, my son started out in Detroit public schools. My daughter, my 16 year old, uh, she started out in Sterling Heights. And it's like no shade to, you know, really in Sterling Heights. But I know that I had to work with her a little bit differently. Um, it took her a little bit, like her, her foundation to me was not as uh, solid as my son and my stepdaughter who began in um, Detroit Public School. So uh, basically the school that they ended up in, um, I had, I looked at, um, I did look at test scores. I looked at um, extracurricular. Um, I, I know Miss April was talking about, and um, uh, Dr. Person, they talked about, uh, you know, the schools being a uh, foreign language, um, you know, the, the, so the extracurricular, um, I looked at the, the extra things that they have. Um, I looked at the parent organizations and how um, they're like the reputation. So it was a lot of things that I had to um, consider, and especially by the time my kids came back home to, to DPS or my daughter, I should say, um, I had to consider those things, especially at that point, because I was single, you know, and I knew that I would be the one who would probably do the most, uh, you know, transportation, um, support, you know, at that point. So those were the things that I looked at. Man, man, man. Let's go ahead and raise the roof for y'all real quick, man. All these mommies up in here doing the thing, man. I got to understand, like, y'all are some hard... Just thank you so much, hard workers. Thank you so much. Uh, you said something really important, uh, Lisa. You all have said something really important. And um, what stood out to me, you were saying how Detroit gets a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. where, does that, where does that come from? Um, you know, we're in the Midwest. We're not in the South, right? Um, growing up in the South, you always told that racism is going to hit you direct. Mm -hmm. Go to Northeast. It's probably going to hit you from behind, but it's probably not present. But we don't really talk too much about the Midwest. Talk mm -hmm. about that, those, those racial uh, dynamics here in the Midwest, and how does that factor in school choice here, if that makes any sense? Anybody? Well, what, one thing I think is really important to point out, Detroit, is, when, when you compare, even let's just say Michigan, 
when Detroit is compared to other uh, now, and you're going to hear, you know what I'm saying? If you if you going like to think about numbers is unfair because Detroit is a larger district, so you may hear more things out of Detroit because you have more things. You know, it's like say for instance, if 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 they did percentage wise. Um, the it probably it probably would not uh, factor out to be how it would be in a suburban uh, district, but I, I, if I you're just doing it based off of based off of numbers, to me that would be unfair. It, you can't base it off of numbers because you're gonna hear like, and especially if you're focused on um, on negative things. And then of course because it's it's an inner city district, if you look at the things, uh, look at certain things that are awarded or that, uh, okay, real quick, sorry. Detroit is considered a community district. There are laws put in place for community districts that are not put in place for other districts. Well, who, well, what was that a couple of years ago where Detroit was named from Detroit Public Schools to Detroit Public Schools Community District? Well, that particular uh, law that's in uh, place, and I'm sorry, I can't uh, like say it word from word, but it only applies to our brown district, you know, which is which uh, it, it, it's unfair. So it is racially uh, biased. Right. I never knew that. I never knew that it's certain laws for community districts. And I like Miss Lisa that you pointed out. Like, where was something that was just put into place? Well, yeah, I know it's something recent, but I didn't know it was specific laws for community district. I thought it merged from Detroit Public School to Detroit Public Schools Community District because you know it went through bankruptcy. I didn't realize it was a specific reason why they put that community district at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that that's the 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 said uh reason. But I'm I'm gonna look it up before we end up and I can uh say more specifically. Yeah, so um and I like how Ms. Lisa said, like Detroit Public Schools, you once the largest district, and we're still the largest district, even though we've downsized, we've lost over a hundred schools, but we're still if I correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Lisa. Uh, the largest district in Michigan. So of course, you know, our numbers will be higher. Our test scores will be, you know, kind of differentiated because we have a large amount of students and still a large amount of schools in comparison to the other school district. I think the other largest school district is Livonia, but they have like, what, five or six schools while we still have at least like 50, 60 schools. Um, But yeah, in comparison, you know, our numbers are different because of you know the large school district and then as far as Detroit the negative connotation I don't know where it comes from the negative connotation Detroit because I don't think that it's really negative I don't know I know people look at me like oh you're from Detroit especially when I was in Virginia they say oh you from Detroit oh yeah so I don't know where that comes from but yeah it's definitely a negative connotation I guess maybe they hear it on the news or I don't know I don't know Well, Detroit Public Schools uh, used to be a model school and people, other districts used to look at two Detroit public schools for learning strategies to implement in their school. And if you take a look at the history, the enrollment decline, and then also we had poor um, coverage from the news 
when the state took over. Remember, we had the um, the yeah, state takeover, yeah. which was a failure. We had the emergency manager, which was a failure. So all of these variables play a a factor in the decline of Detroit public schools. And I think with the um, the misinformation that was posted in the media, I think that people just clinged on to that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think, yeah, we did go through a lot as far as transitioning leaderships. And our leadership wasn't necessarily effective. And we just keep switching leadership. So, and, you know, your school district is only good as your leaders. And, and, and ultimately, it ends up affecting the kids, right? Because you shut schools down, then they have to go to a, a school that's further from the district, which makes it harder for them to you know, that, like that, that factors in so many uh, things that they have. If they and, have I, and one thing I do know, I'm sorry, Calvin, like our kids are community oriented. Like we have different communities here in Detroit. So they're very dedicated to their community. Like, you know, I'm just joking around earlier, like seven miles, six mile. Like they're really community oriented. So by them, you know, they had that one school that was in their district or, you know, in their community. And they all went to that one school from elementary, middle to high school. And then when they started shutting down these schools and shipping them to different, you know, other communities, it caused a lot of friction because they're dedicated to their community. So I think that was an issue too. So talk about that. How do how can parents navigate a dynamic like that where if a school is shut down and they have to really just kind of do what they did during the pandemic, do a whole 360, how how do you navigate that? How do you navigate the excuse me, how do you excuse me? How do you navigate that mentally? How do you navigate navigate that where like explain that to your child like this is what we have to do? Like how how do you navigate that? Well, I, wouldn't I think know. one of the biggest things is to Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think one of the biggest things is uh, for parents, uh, I think always getting involved, always knowing what, you know, you got to be community oriented, even if you are pulled out of your community to go to another community. You got to be, uh, like, say, for instance, the son, the school that my son um, goes to is not close to my house. It's um, my daughter's and my uh, son's school, they're close to each other, but it's a little ways uh, from the house. However, I'm very connected uh, to the parent organization. I'm uh, connected with the uh, teachers. Of course, it's easy easier for me to connect with the teachers because I'm, I'm a uh, Detroit public schools uh, teacher as well. However, um, getting involved with the parent organization and just knowing what's going on in that um, area and creating your village, you know, those are ways to help um, get from, even if like, if, if they close my neighborhood school, let's just say if I'm in this neighborhood, they close my neighborhood school down and I have to go to the next neighborhood school, neighborhood school over uh, down the way. Um, it is very important that I get um, connected with that uh, community organization because there are people who could probably let you know, well, these are the type of things, this is what's going on. Um, this is what you need to know. Um, this is how you can, you know, and we'll look out for your baby. You know, you look out for ours and that kind of the, the family, you got to uh, create that family feel because when there is friction, in different communities sometimes like if you're coming into my community i don't know your intent you know what i'm saying i may not know your intent i'm a little paranoid 
Um, and these are even the kids' views. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't understand. I don't know what your intent is in, in my neighborhood, you know. So I think that just that connection, building those bridges and, and trying to uh, fill in the gaps where you can. And if you can't fill in the gaps, that's why it's good to communicate so that uh, maybe others can do some of the things that you can't do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, how you said it. it's very important when your child is in elementary, middle, even high school to be a part of the parent group because they can help you get acclimated if such change happens. And we understand now, even now because of pandemic, stuff is always changing. I know I'm routine. I like A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. So when something change happens, I'm like, oh. So I've learned to even embrace change and, you know, just find resources, as Ms. Lisa said, you know, the resource for you is that parent group where they can help you get acclimated. You can, you know, form, um, I know when my sons were smaller and I had to travel to Flix, I, we would form like, okay, you pick up our kids on Monday, I pick them up on Tuesday, you know, we form, you know, a family amongst us where we looked out and helped each other out as far as transportation and whatever was needed. So I think that's really good um, when you're having changes such as, you know, um, school is to get plugged into that parent community organization absolutely 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 yeah and 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 it's a village it takes a village and that's one thing i love about detroit we we are a family within a family within a family like when i first got here april you accepted me into your family got me acclimated you know and now i'm here where i'm at so definitely detroit is our family huh i said you are family Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so let's, let's talk about, cause I'm getting, I'm getting this concept of where it's kind of like, there's a system in place where that is, we are always adjusting to, but it's never adjusting to us. And it seems like we're always thinking in the equality lens versus the equity lens, right. Versus really giving our kids what they need versus trying to just, how can I say, give everybody iPads, if that makes any sense? You know? Um, mm -hmm. One thing I think is, uh, and Dr. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, she talks about this, is how like, we've never been able to successfully integrate schools because of white flight, because of white rage, right? It's because they, they, they've never wanted to. And so we've never really been able to achieve that utopia education that we, we always desired before Brown versus Board. Um, and then uh, now we have people that are coming into the district, they're trying to disenfranchise our vote. They're trying to disenfranchise just our basic constitutional rights. And they don't want to come to our schools. So no, it's- They want to create their own school, like they right. want their own school. So they're trying to pick and choose what schools they're going to use. Am I right, Miss Lisa? They want to pick and, pick and choose what school they're going to use to have their children go to and have our, our, our students that are placed there go somewhere else. Right, Lisa? Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I think when I even thinking about the, um, you know, if I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of like gentrification, yeah. you know, um, even with the, the change, you know, that that's happening. Um, and eventually the, the city prices, if you think of New York City, you know, um, where the, 
where certain folks live in the city and you have uh, the minorities that may live more so out um, and then where things are more affordable. Look at the, the, I mean, think about the things that's happening. Even in insurance uh, reform, we finally got insurance reform where now, you know, gentrification is happening. Okay, so now now insurance is affordable. affordable. Lord have mercy. And it's still expensive. <laughs> like, here you go. Woosah, 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 Well, if you, it's still expensive, but if you, uh, like, say, for instance, like, with the reform, if you go through that process, um, your insurance should be a little more affordable now if you have your own health care. To the other cities, it's still expensive. That's what I'm saying. It's not as expensive. It's still expensive, but it's probably was triple or quadruple the amount, but now it's just double. So, I mean, it's a relief, but it's still expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and, and it'll probably take time. But remember, like, I, I always think about, just think of all the things that we have asked for for years. So I understand what you meant, um, Calvin, when you say that, um, you know, it seems like we're, it, it's hard for us to get acclimated to things that uh, that's going on because they are constantly uh, pulling or, you know, changing. They're always changing. Like, we're, we're so resilient. We're, we are a resilient people that no matter how hard they make certain things, we're always figuring out a way, you know, but once we start figuring out ways, then here comes some new changes, you know. So, yeah, that I know I went all off into a tangent, oh, but... You're fine. Um, you're fine. Everything you said is relevant. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then another thing she says, she says, whenever there is Black progress, there's always white backlash, right? There's always some type of Oh, damn, y'all getting some knowledge? Y'all trying to go to college? All right, yeah, let me change up this test real quick so I can make sure y'all don't get into the schools that, you know, it's just like they're always pushing us, you know, and so... Let me make sure y'all can't file bankruptcy on student loans no more. (laughs) You can file bankruptcy if you have a certain income level. You can file bankruptcy on student loans. Not on student loans. Not on student loans. Oh, you need to pass that information to me then. Yeah, (laughs) You got to have a certain income level. Like, you got to be um, low income. But, yeah, you still can. You can. Not like okay. a regular banker, Steve. You got, like, a job and you show some income. No. But if you low income, you can. But you can't collect student loans mm, again, okay. ever. That's the thing. Like, if you do your student loans mm-hmm. about bankruptcy and you decide to go back to school, you cannot collect any type of financial aid. So that's what it is. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, um lastly um i just want to hear you all thoughts on this one thing and then we're going to close i really appreciate you all's time we've been talking about a lot of great stuff parents 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 if you're in a school district where it's perceived as local farming rely on that community if there's no one to rely on build it up yourself be a part of the block hub get kind of connected with parents and help those very babies it takes a village um like lisa said like things are always changing we always got to be resilient that's something that we do as black people naturally but I'm tired of being resilient. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to yeah. thrive, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to eat my fruits and put my feet up. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I just okay. feel like, like you see, I think for like they spoon feed us, like Lisa was talking about the insurance. Yeah, it's lower, but like I said, it ain't as low as it should be. We still, it's still inflated, but I mean, it's getting better. I guess you got to look at it being better, but it's like getting spoon fed. Like, okay, we're going to throw this a little bit, make them be quiet. Throw that to them and make them be quiet. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, one reason why I just, I'm, I'm really dedicated to education is just because it's just, it's just not fair. There's no reason why certain kids are getting 
So for example, I live, I, I go to, I teach at a school right on eight mile, right? Same high school, kids, you know, nice kids, amazing kids. I go right across eight mile. That same high school is going to grow up 50 million times. It's going to look three times bigger. It's going to, it's going to have a different aesthetic to it. And I think that is just so unfair. Like, I just think that is completely unfair. Um, one thing uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones says, she said, she talks about how Brown versus Board was never really fully implemented because of the white backlash, right? Where the courts had to go in the South and force schools to integrate, right? We, they had to literally force schools to integrate. She said that actually helped. That actually helped our black kids. Integration actually helped. And she said it helped because if you put your kids in the same expectations as some other kids, so like white kids, they're always going to achieve because those expectations are just, just inherently there um, as far as like resources and stuff. But she says what happened was that because the North had this perception of I'm not really that racist, they could secretly be racist and secretly segregate their schools. I agree. I the agree. Midwest could do that five times as much. And she said that the South is actually the most integrated. The Midwest is the most segregated. Mm -hmm. I can agree. But being a uh, public school teacher, I can definitely agree. When we go to the different school districts and then even in my classroom, I definitely agree. So, so, so I, I, I look at it as a state of emergency, really. Right now, we have kids that are, you know, they don't have, they don't have enough teachers to fill in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough black male educators to give them that magic. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, I, it's a state of emergency. We got yeah. a pandemic within a pandemic. So, mommy talk. I want y'all to give these mothers, these dads, some hope during this, this, um, this, this reconstruction era that we're going through right now. Because you all were educators literally this year. You all had to be me this year. And so I just really want you all through all the, the trials that we've been talking about. Give us some hope. Give us some faith. Give us some love. Stay positive and continue to engage. Mm -hmm. That's good. I would say yeah. reach out to community. There are resources available. If you feel like your child is online and they're not learning and they need some extra tutorials, just do some research. And um like Dr. Pert said, engage with other moms because there may be some resources where some free tutorials that can go on, you know? So you have to, you know, um, reach out for assistance and put yourself out there um, for the betterment of your child. And then you always got to remain, like Dr. Pert said, be positive, be optimistic, and just know everything is going to work out. Absolutely. And I want, I want to agree and I want to go back to what uh, I think you read it in uh, Dr. Uh, Pert's uh, bio about um, not having a defeatist uh, attitude um, and to continue, we have to continue to communicate. We have to continue to communicate. We got to continue to have these talks. We got to continue our attitudes of uh, <clears throat> village behavior, you know, um, you know, grab my brother and my sister's hand, you know, lift them up with knowledge, you know, with power, you know, whatever we can. So I'm definitely, I'm mimicking everything you guys said um, in addition to, you know, just continue to communicate, communicate and don't give up, never, ever give up. Mm -hmm.
Yes, and thank you for having us on, um, Calvin. And thank you yes. for being awesome. You ever see him? He had some videos of him communicating with his um, his students as well as um, him teaching in the classroom. He's very phenomenal. And like you said, you have that magic and you care and you can relate to our students. So I appreciate you being a leader um, and a male inspirer for our students here in Detroit. Yes, absolutely. I've never seen a video of the uh, students, but I do remember the workshop he did. And we had, remember, we had a couple of uh, yeah. younger uh, kids there. And um, I mean, I, you know, I remember, I like felt like a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I felt like a kid sitting there listening to, you are very inspirational. And I love what you and uh, May do. I want you guys to continue to be that power couple. Yes. I don't know if you look at yourself like a power couple, but you are. So keep it going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, that's the simplicity, y'all. T-Simple Podcast. We focus on providing simple solutions in the classroom. I got the mommies that talk. that's trying to give you those amazing, amazing, amazing gems so you can be a champion parent. Because parents, you all champions. You all are superheroes. And we love you all. Thank you all so much. You all have a great day. Peace. Thank you.